Good morning, Woodland Hills. Good to see you out there on this, I call it nippy morning. Um, maybe it's because I'm from Florida, but I wore a jacket in this morning because <laughs> I was like, it's cold, Rachel. It's just, it just feels really cold. So um, first of all, great to see you out there. Thank you for joining us online. My name is Cedric Baker, and my wife Rachel and I have been attending Woodland Hills for about seven years, and we continue to just love this community um, and group of people here at the church. And so I'm really grateful to be up here. Um, I want to thank Greg and the team for this opportunity. And as you know, we are actually still in a, se a sermon series called Unraveling Truth, where we are trying to really understand, well, what is, what do we consider truth in and of itself? And why are people walking away, leaving the church, kind of doing their own thing, and making sure that we are strong within our faith and in our truth on where we stand and are able to talk about it uh, in our community. But before I get started, I need your help on something. So in pre preparation for uh, next Sunday's message by Greg, I need you to help me with um, answering a question. What are the two words you think of when you think of hell? What are the two words you think of when you think of hell? And there is, uh, you can text online your responses, those two words. We all have conceptions based on our worldview, our training, our upbringing, whatever it is, it would just be very interesting for Greg and his sermon coming up to hear what you have to say on those two words. So take out your phones. Um, you'll still have some time to do it um, throughout the day, but make sure you text in those two words when you think of hell. Thank you for that. So last time I was up here, um, a couple of months ago, I was talking about um, why people believe that religion leads to violence. Why do people believe religion leads to violence? And so it was really focused on the church. And so today's message, I want to continue the conversation and the focus on the church, but I want to be able to take a little bit of a different angle. So I am what you would call a product of being a little church boy. I was raised in the church. Um, my parents uh, went to church. We actually went to church a lot when I grew up. Um, so I'm grateful for Woodland on the times that we all meet. But uh, we went to church all the time. And it's all I knew. You know, it's just what it was. And it's interesting that as I was growing up as a, a young boy, um, all through grade school, I so enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, the people, the group of people that um, was there in church, I really enjoyed being around them. Uh, it was at church in my church organization where I started to figure out and understand, you know, the giftings and the talents and skills that I believe that God gave me. And at church, it was where I was actually able to also hone some of those skills and talents, which I'm truly grateful for. It helped me learn the level of discipline and responsibility, um, attending um, and volunteering um, when it was my time to serve. So all of those things um, I actually use now uh, in my everyday life. I also, based on, during our youth group, uh, when I was growing up, um, our youth leader actually took a liking to me and really poured into me on things that now I look back, I'm so grateful to God that she did. I, things such as facilitating a meeting, youth group meetings, creating an agenda, I learned that in youth group. 
I learned those things actually in church with a group of people that I love doing life with. Um, at the church that I went to down in Florida, we actually, and it was only for high school students, but we had, anybody familiar with the form of stepping? You know, right? So let me raise your hand if you are actually familiar with this form of, I just want to make sure who I, so I can make sure I am able to talk about it in the right way. Um, it is a form, a lot of times you see it when um, in college campuses or things of that nature where maybe someone is pledging and there's a step group or they do a routine or something. Well, we did that at church and you all, I so loved it. We were able to, at different events and things, we had the boys had a group and the girls had a group and everybody could not wait to get to high school so they can join this group. So it was just life-changing for me. The bonds that I had, the, the brothers that I literally call brothers today that I'm still connected to was in that group. And we would travel sometimes over um, the East Coast, you know, doing, talking about Jesus, but doing it in step. And so it was life-changing for me. And then ultimately, I came to a loving, trusting relationship with God, where I found out that I was in need of a savior and that he was the only one that could fill a void in my life. And that was through my time in this really great community. So fast forward, what I later learned in talking to my parents, because that was my experience as a child and, you know, growing up through grade school, what I learned through my parents is that they also truly depended on this church this church organization in multiple ways. Um, as we reminisced and talked about times, I didn't know, but they depended on this group for um, all types of things, such as I call it support group. They were going through situations and issues, and it was members of this church that they were able to talk to and get advice. Um, they also depended on the church as almost like a safety net, social safety net at times. Um, what I also found out is they depended on certain members of our church organization for childcare as well. And now that I have little ones, that definitely makes sense to me right now. But it was all of these little things where they depended on this group of people to be there for them in community. This group of people attended celebrations with us when we had graduations or big momentous occasions happen in our lives. And then also when there were tragic events or accidents or deaths in our extended family, we, they leaned in on this group to be there for them. They were prayer partners and so many other things. I could not imagine my life without that group of people. And then finding out my parents couldn't imagine their lives without that group of people. So my question that I started to ask myself is, why was this group of people so meaningful? Why was it so impactful for our experience in our lives? What made my family lean in to this group of people rather than go the opposite direction? Many people, especially young people, are, living, are giving up on church because they believe that the church is socially irrelevant. They believe that it does not have a major impact on their lives, how they live, 
or solving or dealing with any of the issues that they struggle with. And so the title of my message today is The Significance of the Church. The Significance of the Church. And hopefully you really understand where I want to go with that word significance. Yet the church today does not seem to be an anchor in many people's lives. They don't seem to have a level of relevance that caused them to want to be a part of it. There was a research poll done back in 2019 about the top reasons that people stopped going to church, and it was done by LifeWay Research. And some of those top reasons, we're going to put it up, but the first one was people just get out of the habit of going. They started, and then life changes, and they stop going. Many people, many young adults stop going after they graduate from high school. There is something that happens between that transition from youth group to actually attending church as an adult. Something happens in there where they say, hey, it's really not for me. They say they don't relate to the institutional church at large, what we hear about. They say that that doesn't represent me. And because of that, I don't want to have any part of it. They experienced some level of hurt. Someone hurt them in the church through an experience of could be a person or how they felt someone was done, but there was hurt, church hurt. They couldn't find a church that meets their individual needs. So they attended a church looking for their needs to be met. And for whatever the reason, they said that that church didn't meet their needs. They never felt connected to the church. They never felt, so they attended, they were there, they saw people, but for whatever the reason, there wasn't a bond, there wasn't a connection. And then lastly, they never were invested in the church through like their time, their resources, their giving. They never felt that pull to invest themselves or their resources in the church. So these are a few reasons, but as you know, there are so many other reasons that you could even think of right now of people that you know, maybe yourself on why people don't go to church, why they stopped attending church, why they felt like the church was not socially relevant. Today, I want to really focus on three main reasons why people are finding the church to be socially irrelevant. And then I want to spend the remainder of our time really talking about what is the church, what is our response to this? What can we do giving this just really overall new reality that we face? So the first one, the first reason that I believe, based on my research, understanding and talking to people, that people believe that the church is socially irrelevant, not meaningful in their everyday lives or who they spend their time with, is because of self-directed spirituality. I call it DIY spirituality, do-it-yourself spirituality. And I don't know, uh, I spend a lot of my time when I do watch TV, I really like HDTV, right? I love the opportunity of looking at someone, get their hands dirty, even though I'm not almost, I'm not the most handiest person in the world, but I love looking at other people do it. And they changed the whole trajectory of their home. Like it looks great. It looks beautiful. And they did it themselves. And I feel like that's what happens to a lot of people with their spirituality. They want it on their own terms. And they want to be able to say what is right, what is wrong, and what are the parameters and the boundaries 
for them being able to move forward in their spirituality. We heard a little bit about this from Bill Doherty um, a few Sundays ago where he talked about this on his faith journey. But I was recently talking to actually a really good friend of mine and he, like me, grew up in church and he's around my age. So we're talking about the same generation and he just stopped attending church. But yet when we're on the phone, we have conversations. He's talking really well about his spiritual walk and about God. And so I just asked him, I said, hey, what happened? Like, why don't you actually attend church where there are people where you can congregate and connect with and build a sense of community? Why don't you do it? And as the conversation went on and on, he didn't really give me a very concrete answer. But what I teased out of his response is just that it's a lot easier. There's less commitment. And it puts him and others in the driver's seat of their own spiritual formation. So they are able to say not only what's important and if I need to be challenged, but to what degree. And to that degree, if I'm not comfortable with it, I'm done. That is one of the reasons that I believe people find the church socially irrelevant is because the, the self-directed spirituality, the DIY spirituality that they are on is just a lot easier and it's not confrontational and they can do their own thing. And again, this is not a blame. This is, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just giving out reasons. The second one is an, an inability or them being unable to, the church being unable to address important social issues. So I want to camp out on this for a moment because as you know, our society is just grappling with a lot of things. Mental health, we deal with the stigma of mental health, homelessness, um, economic inequality, um, pay inequity, all kinds of things that people that live on your street, that are in your community, in your neighborhood are wrestling with right now. And what they're saying is, but wait a minute, this is my life, this is my issue, these are the things that we're hurting with, but yet we don't really see the church at large really trying to tackle those issues. And because of that, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not going to spend my time with a group of people that don't understand that that's also important as well. Rising daycare costs. So. Rachel and I are praying for daycare right now. <laughs> and you all, daycare is no joke. <laughs> daycare is no joke. I am paying more right now for my two sons in daycare, Rachel and I are, than I am paying to get a PhD. <laughs> like, it is no joke. It's, it's more expensive than college. It's just, it's just a lot. And so people are grappling with, wait a minute, do I pay for daycare? How do I subsidize it? Do I pay for daycare? And then what do we eat? How well do we eat? How comfortable do we eat? All of these things that people are having to navigate in their everyday lives. And then when we get to church, it comes across as that's not an issue. That's not a problem. There's no situation we're not handling it. And so what I want to say to you is, what is the church's response to these issues? 
Many people are seeing what I just brought up a lot of times as political issues, right? But I want us to think a little bit more critically at it. It's not political when you can't pay for daycare. It's not political when you're dealing with a mental health issue and you're dealing with the stigma of getting medicine for it. That's not a political issue. That's real life. And people are saying to us that that is what we're going through right now. Why aren't you addressing those issues? How are we as the church, as the church body, using our say-so to help others that are in need in our communities and in society? As an example, as a black man navigating this country, I deal with inequities all the time. I deal with racial inequities all the time, sometimes straight up racism. If my church, and I'm speaking for myself, but if my church doesn't believe that that's an issue, that's a problem for me because it is my life. It is my experience and it is what I have to deal with every day. It could also be uh, a mother with two, three, four kids who's dealing with underemployment, not unemployment, underemployment, which means that there did, she, she has two, maybe three jobs and she still cannot make ends meet. And so in those types of situations where you're dealing with that and she's having to make decisions on childcare, not only food, but healthy food, right? All of these decisions that she's trying to make, what is our response to helping her? What is our response to making sure that she has what she needs or the resources or the information she needs to do better for her family? Because overall, no matter what we say, that's what she's thinking about. That is her reality. What is our response? Number three, I believe that the church, I believe that people believe that the church is socially relevant because Community is lacking in the church. Loneliness is a real thing. This year, and I really appreciate Paul Eddy for this, he connected me to a report from the U.S. Surgeon General where it's called Our Epidemic of Loneliness and Isolation. And really, that report here in the U.S. that says that we're not only on the epidemic, but it is a healthcare crisis dealing with loneliness. So I was like, oh, that could be exaggerated. That's a lot. But when you look at the stats, it's really, really staggering. About one in two adults in America reported experiencing loneliness. So I want you to take a moment for a moment and think about that just in this building alone. Multiple people in here statistically is dealing with some level of isolation or loneliness. It's a real thing. It is a major situation. The lack of societal connection and interaction can increase, and this is what the report says, can increase, healthcare, uh, can increase health risks, such as dementia and stroke and different cardiovascular issues and even premature death. Because of the lack of societal connection, human interaction, people are dealing with this, and we need to step back and say, what is the church's response? What is our response to the cry of our society? 
Given this information, what can we do? So I'm gonna make a few points, but this first one is one of the most important points you'll hear from me this morning. We must remember that the church is made up of individuals like you and me. We are the church. The church is not this building. The church is not a vague concept. The church are people like you and me. We make up the body of Christ. That is an important concept that a lot of times we either don't remember or we just vaguely talk about. And the reason we do it is because I believe it's so much easier to talk about the church in the abstract. It's so much easier to talk about what they are doing or what they are not doing. It's so much easier to do that. 1 Corinthians 12 and 12 talks about this in a very great way, and I want us to read it. It says, just as a body, the one has many parts, but all of its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And so what this scripture is trying to tell us is just as your human body has multiple parts that make it run and help it to thrive, so as the body of Christ, that we have, we are all collectively making up the body of Christ. We are the church. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. First Corinthians 12 and 27 also says, all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of the body. Each of us play an important and a unique part of the body of Christ. And so I feel like I'm going to make a little bit of a comment, but I want you to hear me out. That could be radical, but I don't really think it is. I believe that it is easier to say that the church in the abstract, this building, even leadership, Greg, Paul, Janice, Mary, others, Shauna, who I believe that God has put here at Woodland, I believe it's easier for us to say that them, the church, is being socially irrelevant rather than saying that I am, as a part of the body of Christ, am becoming socially irrelevant. And a lot of times we cast and we push, we push and we cast, and you, let, me, let me step back and say for a moment, this is not to blame. This is not, I want you to hear my heart on this. This is not a blaming message. This is for us to stop and reflect and pause and say, as the body of Christ, what's our, you and my responsibility about what the society is saying? I do believe that church leadership has its role. I do believe that there's an accountability there that needs to be had, that God has put them there, and that God wants something out of them to make sure that systems are going well and that they are leading this local, as Paul Eddy calls it, parachurch. They're leading this local church. But overall, I want to make sure that we remember that that doesn't negate 
our responsibility as God's hands and feet. Is this making sense to you? I am more convinced than ever before that society not only needs our prayers, and God knows they do, but this world also needs our creativity and our giftings and our talents and our skill sets and our experiences. The world, society needs you. Period. The world and society needs you. There is a unique nature that God has in place in you. That God is saying, hey, I want to use you. There's only one of you in the world. And there's only one of your experiences. And it's so unique and it's wonderful and it's beautiful. And God is saying to us this morning that he wants to use you to be an answer to what society is saying is a problem and is an issue. This makes me also think of the lame man um, in Acts. And remember the lame man that begged? I want us to read a little bit of that and then really talk about it. Acts 3, 2 and 8. It says, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Let me stop for a moment. This is what he did. This was kind of his livelihood. He begged for alms. And so he was placed at this gate. The expectation is that he asked and people give. But Peter, as we move forward, it says, but Peter looked straight at him as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them, which makes sense. This is what he does. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. Listen to this. But what I do have, I will give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Amen. Amen. There are so many points that I can make right now on this scripture alone, but I just really want to focus on one. And it's what I want you to really get in your spirit today. Peter and John, as ambassadors of Christ, had something that he needed. They had something that he needed. And he thought they were going to give him alms, money, funds, because he begged. But they said, hey, we don't have that. But what we do have, we're going to give it to you. And they dealt with his issue. They dealt with his issue. He had a need and they actually met his issue. God wants, hear me church. God wants to use us in wonderful ways, but he needs us individuals, you and I, to be open to being able to connect with his people in society. 
He needs your openness. He needs your brilliance. He needs your skill set. He needs your experiences. There's no, like I said earlier, there's no one that has experiences like you do. And God wants to use that. He has cultivated that where he believes, and I know it, I'm speaking because this is, you all, this has been resonating in my spirit. God wants to use you to be an answer to the world's problems. Woodland Hills, or what we could also call the local parachurch, creates an enabling environment for us to grow together and to connect and to congregate, to live life together and to share the blessings that God has given us outside to the community. And I'm grateful for Woodland Hills. I have learned a lot here at Woodland Hills. Based on many of you out there, I am a better man today because of these, this church body. And yet it does not negate our responsibility to use our gifts and talents and skill sets to be a blessing to others. We cannot hear me in love. We cannot sit on the sideline and expect Woodland to do all the heavy work. And I say this as a volunteer of Woodland. <laughs> they have a place and they have a part to play. Greg has a part to play. They do. And I need them to play their part. I do. And yet God is looking for us to play our parts. We have a responsibility as his precious bride, his body, to make a difference in the world. Remember, this building is not the church. You and I are his church. We're his bride. He told us to go and preach the gospel and to feed the hungry and to close people that needed it and to occupy until he comes. Mark 16, 15 says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. When we're talking about this word of relevance, like what's relevant, what's impactful, what's important, I don't think, and I know a lot of people do this, and if you do rip jeans, it's not because um, I have a problem with it. I just think a lot of people in the church think that if you start wearing rip jeans and you talk to somebody, that that makes you relevant. <laughs> that doesn't make you relevant. And I actually think that people can see through that. that. That doesn't make you really relevant. Or your language or your speech changing. That doesn't make you relevant. God wants to use you in the way that you are. In all of your imperfections, in all of your specificities on the way that you do things, God knows you. And he wants to use you in the way that you are to still be a blessing to others. So if you are a ripped jean person, great, do that. But if you are not a ripped jean person, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that because you may actually hurt the cause more than you are helping it. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is God doesn't want you to necessarily try to change your dress or your speech to make an impact. He wants to use you as you are. And then ultimately, the gospel is what makes what we do relevant. The gospel is what makes it relevant. It says, go into, world, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So, yes, that means being able to talk about our faith and talk and witness and connect. But more and more and more, I'm convinced that it means about how you behave. It means about your lifestyle. It means 
what are people seeing when you come around? What are you doing and how are you connecting with people and how are, are you judging? Are you always frustrated all the time? Are you talking about people behind their back? They're looking at that more so than whatever you are saying. And so we got to remember that the gospel is also embodied in what we say, but also in how we do things as well. Although many people may view the church as socially relevant and unimportant in their everyday lives, we must remember, number one, remember we individuals, you and I are the church. It is our responsibility to display the love of God in using our gifts and talents and skill sets. And some of you have beautiful gifts and talents in the way you think and how you process things and the love that you show. It could be where some of you are really focused on marriages. You really want to see strong marriages together. I say go in that direction. Some of you are really, really interested in raising strong, courageous, but respectful kids. Go in that direction. There are others of you that have a really strong pull for the poor and the homeless. God wants to use that. Then there's some of you that are saying, hey, I just want to make sure that like, I'm able to listen to people so they feel heard and they feel seen. I'm a good listener. I'm a good listener. I can do that if God, I can do that and I want God to use me in those ways. And it starts by being action oriented and moving towards those areas where you are called and have a passion and a skill set for. So as I end and I close, generally with my messages, I have some level of exercise because I truly believe that we not only need to hear, but we need to do. Like that is the kingdom of God in doing. And so I have some homework for you. First, I want you to really answer the question, what is on your heart? What are you been thinking about? What do you get frustrated when you see is going wrong? What are those things that you believe that God has gifted you with and you have a strong passion for? What is that? And I want us to really process and think through that. Because some of you, you know very clearly, but some of you, you may not know. And for those that don't know, I want you to spend some time with God and asking him, I know that you've put something on the inside of me to make this world better. And I may have a clue or I don't have a clue at all. My prayer is for you to reveal that to me. Why am I here and what can I do to deal with the issues and the problems in our society. I'm less worried right now because a lot of times when we start to talk about what are you passionate about, what do you do, people get sidetracked and derailed based on time. They don't have enough time. You all, as our society, none of us have enough time. Everybody's busy, everybody's running to the next thing, but that does not negate our call and responsibility to still go out and be a light in the hands and the feet of Jesus. So take that and put it to the side for a moment. And I'm not trying to disrespect that some of us are extremely busy. It is. But take it, let's push it to the side. And for a moment, still let's just think through what has God put in your heart, the unique experiences that you've had, 
the issues and the problems that you've endured. There's some of you that are stronger because you've been through some critical, crazy, tough situations. God wants to use that. He does not want that to be a sideline issue where you don't want to talk about it anymore. God wants to use all of you, every part of you, all aspects of what makes you unique. God wants to use that. So I want you to think about it. Don't think about time right now. Just think about what that is. And our homework is that I want you to start to talk with somebody in this church about it. Talk to someone in this church about what God has put on your heart. What I have realized is that I can be thinking a whole lot and I'm literally an internal processor, right? So I can think all the time and not say a word. And my wife is like, but you never said that. You never, but I was thinking it, I was doing it, you know, all of this. So I'm always processing. It's a little bit different on her side because she's a little bit more of a verbal processor. So I kind of hear and think through like what she's talking about, but it's not always vice versa. And so I want to just make sure that for those of you that are just not, uh, you're not always eager to just have a conversation, push yourself on this. Push yourself on this. We are in a community. We, remember, individuals, we are the church. So you have brothers and sisters that are in here that can help you make whatever God has put on your heart a reality. There may already be some vehicles for you to tap into or align yourself with to make what God has put on your heart a reality. And then there may be some things where we haven't even thought about it yet. But I believe that God wants us as a body, as a community, as a group to really start to talk and converse with each other about it. Because I think that the more you talk about it, the more it can become a reality. And I also believe that there's a level of accountability that we can have amongst each other that ends up happening. Once I say it out loud, oh, you know. And you could ask me about it. Hey, how's it going? You said you were going to do some reading on it. You say that you were going to move forward in it. What can I do? How can I help? I want to make sure that you are moving forward in the path that God has given you. So that is our homework. We're going to think about it for a moment, maybe pray about it to God. And then the next step is, is that we are going to talk about it with someone. The last thing I'm going to say is... If you get nothing out of today, I want you to do this last thing. I want you to talk to somebody here. If you're online, do it with a gathering group. But we as the church must be connected. What society is saying is you all, when we come there, we don't really feel a sense of connection. We want to make sure that that is not the case. And so one of the ways that we do that is by having conversations and talking and learning about each other and talking about what's going on in our families and in our lives and talking about what God has put on our hearts to help be an answer to society. Lastly, I am not saying that everything has to be done at major scale. We're talking about one person at a time. Get that in your mind. God wants you to take steps and ultimately another step 
to get to where he's called you to go. He's not looking for you to save the whole world. He's looking for you to do your part and use your gifts and your talents to make a difference in someone's life in your community. And I don't know how we do that unless we are connected and talking with people outside of these walls. Amen? So I want us to pray so this can be really solidified in our spirits and then I want us to do it. And so if I come up to you, because I'm going to practice it myself, if I come up to you and I don't really know you, please give me some grace, but I want to live this out. <laughs> so you're going to hear me talking about what God has put on my heart and just hear me out. You know, ask me questions, but also hold me accountable for it because that is where I believe God wants us to be. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for your love, your power, your grace uh, being among us. And we thank you for the understanding that we are your church as individuals and that you have called us to do some miraculous things in this society and that we believe that we can have an answer and a solution and do it in love for those that are struggling in our society. I pray that you grant us the boldness, the clarity, the peace to move forward on what you have put on the inside of us, the unique nature that you've given us. And I pray, Father God, that there is going to be an explosion here at Woodland, that your spirit breaks out and that things change in the lives of our community for people that are struggling, that people that need help, that we, not because we're so smart, not because we're so put together, or we know so much, but because we are willing to be open and we're willing to love your people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 I have a few, thank you. I have a few announcements for you. Um, please know that you can uh, find prayer if you are looking for someone to help you in this process. We have uh, people up here to pray for you and also uh, online. We also have gathering groups. Gathering groups for those who are online and even those that are here is another way to be get connected with this community to really talk about what God has put on your heart. And also Shauna and Dan, go, they go deeper on Tuesdays they will go deeper on Tuesday, on Tuesday for this message. And so I ask that you tune in for that. I pray that you go out, first of all, that you talk to somebody, but that you go out and that you think about how can you be an answer to someone's life who's in need. In Jesus' name, thank you so much. I appreciate it.